Good morning. Today's scripture passage comes from two places. The first is Psalms chapter 139, verses 11 to 12. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. And the second comes from Micah chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Good morning, everybody. I'm not going to waste time. I'm just going to start talking as I try and get up the steps. My apologies that I'm not really able to walk very easily today. I had surgery a couple of weeks ago, and uh, unfortunately it means I'm going to need to sit down to share with you this morning, so I hope you don't mind that. I'll just get myself a little sorted out here. It's, it's of course, always great to be back at VCBC and to have the opportunity to come and share with you. It seems that I make it back here about once a year and um, every time I come, I really do take time to seek God and ask him what it is that he has on his heart to share with you. And each time I come, I feel like he puts something specifically on my heart and today is no exception. So I'm actually excited to really have this opportunity. But before I get into the message, I just want to say how much of a pleasure it is each time I do come back to be with you to have the opportunity to worship with you and to be back with a community that has demonstrated such wonderful commitment and love towards the children of China. Over so many years, this church has stood with ICC and not standing with ICC just because we're a good organisation, but standing with us because God has given us a mission. God has put a passion in our hearts for abandoned children in China, for families in China, to see his kingdom come into their lives. And it's so wonderful that you have walked that journey with us. And so I want to start by saying thank you. It's an exciting time in the life of ICC. We just celebrated our 20th anniversary last year, and we had a wonderful time of celebration where we looked at all of the wonderful things that God had done, probably a little bit like you will do for your 45th anniversary, We celebrated the present, where we were at, and all of the wonderful things that God had established. But then we began to pray and ask God what he had for us for the future. And over this last eight or nine months, we have been praying and seeking God, and I, as the leader of ICC, have had the privilege to hold those things in my heart and to really sense what God is saying from all that has been fed back from across the body of ICC, across seven countries and hundreds of people. And it's been exciting to see this vision emerge for our future, like God opening a little bit of the windows of heaven and giving us a perspective to see where he wants us to go. And over the next ten years, which is the season that we believe God is leading us into, we believe he's calling us to do three very strategic and important things in in China. The first one is to work with families that are on the edge of abandoning their children to stand alongside them, to put our arm around them and to say, you are not alone. Because of Jesus Christ, we are here with you and we will walk this journey. And to hold the family together and prevent abandonment. We believe that God's desire is to bring a new reality in China where abandonment is a thing of the past. That is what we're working to achieve. The second thing is that God is calling ICC to continue to establish the work that we do with abandoned children to create centres of transformation, places into which abandoned children can come to experience John 10.10, that fullness of life. 
And thirdly, to share our heart and our vision outwards across China so even more people in more places, more families and more children can know that there is a Christ, there is a God that loves them. And so this is the vision that God is challenging us to walk in over the next 10 years. And I'm just so thankful for you that you make it possible. Every year when you put on your shoes and you join us for Walk the Wall, you make it possible. Every time someone goes on a team, like Winston went on a team in January um, and served with ICC, you make the vision possible. And so thank you for that. And as my final little bit about ICC, let me just encourage you and challenge you to join us for Walk the Wall this year. September 27th, 10 a.m., Stanley Park. If you haven't been there, you've been missing out. If you have been there, then hopefully you feel excited to come and join us again. We would love to welcome you. Okay. Father, I'm grateful for this time, and I want to trust that what you've spoken to my heart is what you want to speak to the hearts of my brothers and sisters here this morning. Take my words, which don't mean very much, and imbue them with your spirit, which can bring life and revelation. And then do with it, Lord, what you will, because we trust that when your word goes out, it always accomplishes that which you have purposed and never returns void. And so we trust you now in Jesus' name that you will do your will. Amen. When I look out across the world at this particular time, I often find myself feeling like the darkness is gathering. If you've been watching the news recently, it's been really discouraging to see some of what's happening in the Middle East. In fact, we just prayed for it. You know, we hear about situations in Iraq where Islamic fundamentalists are trying to create this new Islamic state and Christians are being murdered. And we hear those stories and it feels like the darkness is thickening, is gathering. We look at Israel and Gaza and this battle that is consistently being played out time and time again. Lives being lost, where there is just enmity. And we wonder how we can ever move beyond these kind of circumstances and situations. And it seems that darkness just swirls over that particular place. We look at Ukraine and what's been happening there. And we see struggle and suffering and fighting. Again, there doesn't seem to be any movement towards peace. And we look at Syria where we heard this week that in that conflict over 190,000 lives have been lost. And they aren't soldiers, they're probably in all, in all likelihood men, women, children, who just like you and I want to live our lives. It's like the darkness swirls over the earth. And sometimes when we look at that, we just feel overwhelmed by it. It's like a constant reel of suffering. In the world in which I live and minister, the darkness swirls in the lives of families that have children with disabilities. I've shared this with you before, the poverty, the desperation, the pressure, the stigma that causes families in the middle of the night to leave their child in a bus station, to feel like they have no choice, to be led to that point of utter desperation where the child that you love, you begin to contemplate leaving them behind. And the darkness swirls in orphanages still across the nation of China. You walk into a government institution today and you will still see children neglected, deteriorating, suffering, struggling and eventually giving up 
and dying. I think it must break the heart of God, this darkness that swirls. And I wonder what it must be like for God to look across the world and to see all of this struggling and all of this suffering and this pain and brokenness. You see, for us, our filter is distance. Well, Syria is a long way away and Gaza and Israel are a long way away. China is even a long way away. We have distance that gives us an ability to look at it, but maybe not feel. Sometimes it's not a physical distance, though, is it? Sometimes it's really the distance that we create in our hearts. The distance where we step back from the suffering of the world and we don't let it touch us. Sometimes the filter that we have is the soundbite, that everything gets condensed down into 30 seconds in a TV clip or on a Twitter feed or on a Facebook status. And those sound bites, they don't touch us. They're just words that bounce off us. But it's not the case for the Lord and the way he sees it. You know, it's almost impossible. I think it is impossible for us to comprehend what it must be like for God as a father, a loving father, to look down from heaven and to see the suffering that is happening. It's hard to comprehend that the God that is looking down on us this morning, rejoicing because we are worshipping him, is also the God that is weeping at the same time for Gaza and Israel and the children of China. It's, It's too much for us to comprehend. But this is the case. That as he rejoices with us, he weeps over the broken world. He weeps over the child in China in an orphanage whose every single hair he has numbered. Every single hair. And he watches that child struggle for life. He watches that child realise that they will remain unloved. And he watches that child die. When we think about this, and we think about the darkness in the world, it is overwhelming. But as followers of Jesus, it's easy for us to make a mistake and to think that the darkness of the world is all out there. It's easy for us to think that the world is a place of darkness without stopping to actually question and think about sometimes the fact that the darkness can also be in here. What do I mean by that? That we maybe have darkness inside of us. I mean it like this. The famous Russian writer Alexander Solzhenitsyn said this. He said, gradually it was disclosed to me that the line that separates good and evil doesn't pass through states, countries, doesn't pass through classes, rich and poor, doesn't pass between political parties, but it runs right through every human heart. The propensity for good, the propensity for evil, runs through each and every single one of us. God has given us the capacity to choose. God has given us an opportunity to know him and to follow him, to choose him and to choose life, to follow him wholeheartedly or not. To not follow him, to not choose life, to not give our lives wholeheartedly to him. So whilst the darkness out there might seem brutal and evil, killing children, killing innocent people, 
we have to see that there is some darkness that also can dwell within us. And that darkness causes us in our hearts sometimes to choose our own way. To choose to be apathetic. To choose to callous and make our hearts cold and not feel what is going on in the world. Rather than to care and to allow ourselves to have broken hearts. And to then respond from that broken heart to the Lord, asking the question, what can I do? In the book of Micah, this prophet rises up around the same time as the prophet Isaiah and the prophet Amos. This is about 700 years before Christ comes. And he speaks at a time when Israel and Judah have really strayed from the path that God wanted for them. They are no longer following the Lord in their own eyes and in their own hearts. They think they're doing just fine. They can't see that some darkness has crept in that they have been turned gradually from the truth, that they have departed from the way that God wants them to walk in. Something has come in, a darkness has come in, and it has permeated their devotion to God. And it has twisted it. It strikes me that the times that we live in today are honestly very similar in some ways to the times that Micah lived in. We live in a time when darkness is trying insidiously to change us as followers of Christ. Trying to change us in our understanding of what it is that God asks of us as followers of Jesus Christ. It goes something like this, doesn't it? Well, my faith is private. I'm not going to talk about it in the public sphere. I need to respect other people's beliefs or thoughts. And it's true, we do need to respect people's thoughts and beliefs, but our faith is never, never was meant to be private. And yet this seeps into our mentality and becomes part of our thinking. Our faith becomes diluted as we live from our feelings and our emotions rather from the word of God. It becomes easy to say, well, you know, I, 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 I don't know if that's really all just, a, you know, isn't it all about love? You know, this thing about holiness over here? Well, holiness, yeah, but, but it's, it's all about love. Jesus was about love. Jesus was about love and holiness. When we live from our feelings rather than living theologically or from the word of God, we dilute our faith, we twist away from who we are called to be in Jesus Christ. The claim of Christ on our whole life. The claim of Christ in our whole life. When Jesus saves you and when Jesus saves me, he asks us to give our whole life in return for that wonderful free gift. And society and darkness will creep in and tell you, oh, Jesus doesn't require your whole life. He just wants you to be happy. He just wants you to be happy. But it's not true. These are things that can come into our lives and into our thinking and bit by bit shift us from being the people of God that we are meant to be. And our hearts become calloused if we're not careful. We become disengaged from who we were meant to be in Christ and also what it means to be a follower of Christ in terms of reaching out to the broken world in which we live. So it's into this kind of scenario today and into that kind of scenario back in the time of Micah that God speaks these words from Micah 6, 8. He says this, he has shown you, O oh mortal, 
O man, O woman, what is good? And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Micah seeks to draw the people of God back to a holy walk with their heavenly Father. He says he's shown you what is good. He's shown you what is required. And it is these things. I find it really interesting the way this scripture begins. He has shown you what is good and what is required. And we're reminded through this that what God wants for us is good. We can begin to question sometimes, you know, when I hear these demands, these claims of Christ, are they good for me? Are they going to make my life good? Sometimes they may cause us to walk through difficult seasons, but we can have a sure foundation in knowing that God's word and God's plans for us are good. They are to bring out the greatest good for our lives in terms of maturing in Christ. Do we believe that? Do we believe that God wants the greatest good for us? Or do we desire it? Do we desire God's greatest good in our lives? Even if maybe it means walking through sometimes seasons of difficulty and challenge. Or do we think our ways are better? I know what good is. I know what will make me feel good. I know what will make me feel happy. On what do we base our lives and our decisions that we make? God is good and wants the greatest goodness for you and I. But he doesn't just say that this is good. He also says this is what is required. And so we're reminded that God just doesn't want our good, but there, are a, there is a requirement. This is not a choice that is being offered to us. But there is an expectation from God that because of the great gift that he's given you in Jesus Christ, that you will bring your whole life, you will give what is required back to him. How do you think about that when you think about what God requires of you? Do you think, well, he requires a little, he requires my time, or do you think he requires my all, my every breath, my life, my decisions, my choices, everything should be offered and held before him. Lord, this is my life, I give it to you. Use it in the way that you will. Do we hold it before him? So good, God's goodness and that which he requires of us. He has shown you, O man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you? And then he talks about three things. He talks about acting justly, loving mercy and walking humbly with our God. When God sees all the brokenness in this world, I know that in his heart he desires to see justice established. Sin and brokenness result in oppression. They result in broken lives. They result in broken systems, dictatorships. They result in things like the one-child policy. They result in forced abortions. They result in so many, many things that are about injustice. But we know that our calling as the people of God is to be restorers of justice, to re-establish justice in this world. To be a people who, when we hear of suffering and struggle, rather than allowing darkness to find a place in our heart through apathy, rather than allowing darkness to find a place in our heart and saying, that's not my problem, to be people who say, I will act justly. I will act 
to act, to move, to do something. Not to sit. I'm a terrible example this morning, aren't I? I'm sitting. I should be striding around the stage right now, shouldn't I? But I can't do it. To act, okay? We're talking about movement. We're talking about doing something, about standing up and saying, I am not going to stand for this anymore. As the people of God, as those called to restore justice, I'm going to do something. This is the calling of God to us as the people of God, to be people who act justly. And this is what ICC does in our work. You see, we recognise that our role is to restore justice to families and to children. And we offer them Jesus Christ, and we offer Jesus Christ embodied in practical ways as services that transform the lives of those people in Jesus' name, and then step by step transforms the country and the culture and the systems in which they live. And our belief is that gradually, by tiny increments, the kingdom is established and justice is being upheld in that nation. Today, he has shown you, you, what is good and what is required. It is to act justly. Are you acting justly? Are you doing something? You don't have to respond to China. You don't have to respond to the thing that I say. But have you found that passion where justice inside of you rises up because you know that you are called to be a restorer in that particular sphere or in that particular part of God's world and creation? Are you acting justly? When God sees all the brokenness of the world, he also knows that the world has to see in response to that brokenness an active demonstration of his compassion and his mercy. We are called to be people in this scripture from Micah 6, called to be people who love mercy, to delight in doing good. We're to love offering mercy to those around us and those in need. Not begrudgingly, uh, there's the homeless person, uh, don't know what to do, really awkward. How do we love giving mercy when we come across a situation like that? I can't answer that question for you as to what you should do, but I can tell you that the calling that you have is to love offering mercy, for something to rise up in you that says, yeah, let me share the love of God with this person. Sometimes loving mercy or doing good, it, it can feel tiring and it can feel like a chore. Let's just call it the way it is. There are some times in China when myself and the staff that I serve with we look at what needs to be done to show the mercy of God to these children. And as we look, we say to ourselves, gosh, we're tired. You know, we're tired. But then when we stop thinking about it and we step into doing it, we find something rises up within us. We find that there is a, uh, the Spirit of God causing compassion to rise up, not a human compassion, an earthly compassion, but a godly compassion and mercy. And we find we love it. And we love it because not only do we see the power of it in the lives of the children we serve, but we see the power of it back into our lives that we ourselves become reinvigorated. We ourselves become the recipients to God's blessing through doing good, through delighting in mercy, through offering 
that mercy out to the world that so desperately needs it. He has shown you, you, what is good and what is required. To act justly, yes, and to love doing mercy. So are you loving mercy? Are you delighting in doing good? Is there a place where when you serve, something wells up within you and you feel the presence of God and the compassion of God? If there isn't, then begin to seek it. Seek that place, whether it be right here or whether it be in China or whether it be somewhere else. Seek it and find the place of service, that place in which you can show the mercy of God to those that need it. You will love it because there is something supernatural that takes place as you follow the will of God. The third thing that Micah says is to walk humbly with your God. And I think this is so, so important. It's the foundation of it all, isn't it? You see, when God sees the brokenness again in the world in which we live, he knows that walking humbly with him is central to a right relationship with him, first and foremost. But it also has a direct impact on the world in which we live too. When we walk humbly with our God, we see ourselves as we truly are. And it's hard, honestly speaking. It's hard. Who are you before God? Who are you? If we look long and hard into our own hearts and lives, if we look into the corners of our hearts, you know, those little hidden places, the dark places where we don't want to look very often, when we look into those parts of our hearts, what we see is sometimes not what we want to see. So I will answer this question for you. Who am I before God? I'll tell you. I'm someone who is capable of indifference, just like you. I can turn away from suffering. I am capable of that. I'm someone who is capable of apathy. Sometimes it's hard for me to continue to live my life with passion for God. And sometimes I recognise that I'll have been in a season where I have not really served and followed God with the wholeness of heart that I know that he wants. I'm someone sometimes who turns away rather than get involved. And I've looked at the Israel and Gaza situation and I've asked myself the question, what should I do? And I've not found the answer yet. I'm someone sometimes who wants to walk in my own ways. Sometimes I think I am my own. But that's what stands on that side of the line that Alexander Solzhenitsyn said is the dark part of who we are. I can also answer the question of who I am in a different way and I can say this. Who am I before Jesus? I am a forgiven sinner. Praise God for that. That even with all of my apathy and indifference, he is a forgiving God. I am a beloved child. I am cared for by God deeply. and I am the apple of his eye. I am the one who is sent to the world. We are the ones sent to a broken world. Who am I? I am wholly his. He is God. And I am not. These two things live side by side, coexist. And just as there is a battle between light and dark in the world, so there is inside of me, and so there is inside of you. Will you act justly? 
Will you love mercy? Will you walk humbly with your God? Will you look inside and see the darkness, face it and say, change me, Lord Jesus. Change me so I can become the person you want me to be. These are the things that are good. These are the things that are required, that we act justly, that we step up and that we become part of restoring justice in the world in which we live that we love mercy, we delight in doing good, that that rises up inside of us as we step into showing God's mercy and compassion in the world and we walk humbly with him with an awareness of our brokenness and our weakness and our darkness but with a focus on him that allows the truth of who we are to be the stronger, the one that guides us to live out this of justice and the loving of mercy. So as we live this way and we make the choice to live this way and as we press into God to live this way, it is a way that is good for us. As we press into this, we are fulfilling and offering back a whole life to God and that is what he requires of us. And as we do that, we will see the power of God come And we will see the world change. We'll see the circumstances, whether big or small, changed to be his kingdom. And I want that. I want that desperately for the families in China who today are thinking, I can't do this anymore. Who today are waiting for someone to put an arm around them. Who today need hope. Who need hope. I want that for for families in China. I want it for children in China. I want those children to wake up to know that they are loved and cared for and that there's a God that has not forgotten them. And so, in closing, I pray that you will hear God's word today. He has shown you what is good and what is required. And I hope that now that you see and you hear what he expects and hopes from you, that you will ask the question, how can I act justly? How can I love mercy? And how can I walk humbly with my God? Will you bow your head with me, please? Father, living a life for you is full of so much complexity. There are so many things that pull us in so many different directions, so many things that challenge us in living wholly for you. And yet you have shown us what is good and what you require. We pray for your spirit and your grace to enable us to live a life that is worthy of you, to act justly, to love mercy and to walk humbly before you. Be the strength that we need to walk this journey well. And as we do so, may we see you and may we see your kingdom come. In China, around the world, in conflict zones and even here, in our city and our community. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.